Welcome to the Portland Pentecostals podcast. We're happy you've decided to join us as we build a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. Um, With that, we're going to continue in our lesson from last week. And we're going to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 verse 23 and 24, which we read last week, and that's our opening verse from last week, and we're going to read it again tonight. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about being sanctified by God. So last week, we're not going to spend a lot of time in review. Uh, if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to it on the podcast. Uh, but last uh, week, we really spent a lot of time on uh, 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 embracing the understanding that God desires to sanctify us and for us to be also consecrated. Those are two words that aren't used very often outside of the church. And so to explain those concisely, to be consecrated is to be separated for a specific purpose. In the Old Testament, we read them last week, but but there were many times where God talked to them about being consecrated, and most of the time, when 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 the when they were told to be consecrated, immediately falling, it talked about being sanctified. So consecrated would be to be dedicated or set apart for a specific purpose. When we talk about being consecrated or sanctified, Sanctified, excuse me, uh, we're talking about the purifying that happens. Uh, so Jesus uh, wants us to be cu- pulled aside, separate from the world, and also cleansed or sanctified by him. And so we use the example, especially uh, that we began with last week, where, where God wanted to speak to the children of Israel. And, and pastor even preached out of the same passage uh, uh, on Sunday, but uh, that God uh, told Moses to tell the people you need to consecrate yourself and sanctify yourself because I'm going to speak to you because God wanted to speak to his people they had to they had to separate from their own routines from their own values and to be cleansed they physically washed their clothes in the Old Testament to prepare for the voice of God to speak into their lives and that's the design of God for our lives is to to consecrate us and sanctify us. It's not it's not popular in our world today. It's not popular even in our in the, the religious world that we live in to embrace the truth that, that God looks at you and I in our sin and he loves us and he reaches to us, but God will not take us very far without us being willing to be consecrated and to allow him to make us holy. So to be consecrated is to be set apart. To be sanctified would be to be made holy or to be made pure. That's what God desires to do in and through our lives. We, um, I, I emphasize this very quickly and we're going to land on this and this is where we're going to start tonight. But how does God want us to be sanctified? In the verse that we read, he wants us to be sanctified, verse 23, completely that you may that and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the um, Phillips translation it would say it this way it would say in your spirit your mind and your body when we're talking about what God wants to do he wants to work in our spirit he wants to work in our mind and he wants to work in our body and in that order that's the way that God desires to to purify us you know it's it's the upside down kingdom or the better 
way to say it would be the right side up kingdom, the kingdom of God. When Jesus came and spoke and taught the kingdom, he spoke and taught values that were upside down from the world. And when we as humanity are about to endeavor anything, the first thing we want to do is we want to deal with the body. We want to deal with the outside. We want to, we want to just get the list out and say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to change this, this, and this, and, and bada bing, bada boom, I'm going, to, I'm going to be what I want to be. But God says I want to work on your spirit uh, and transform your spirit uh, and when I transform your spirit then uh, I can work on your mind uh, and as your spirit and your mind come into alignment and are purified by God uh, then the outward part of your body uh, that's spoken of in the word of God uh, is going to be the natural outflow uh, of what God has done inside of you. Think of Matthew chapter number 22 verse 37 through 40 when Jesus says that the greatest commandment what does he say is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul and your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Uh, and the second is like it. Uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, so Jesus, even when he was speaking and he spoke of, of love, he talks about in his, the commandment being to love what? With all your heart? Your soul, your mind, your strength, uh, all of your body, all of your mind, all of your spirit is being given to Jesus uh, in worship. Uh, and so it's little wonder that every part of my life I want uh, to be transformed and to be purified because I want the destiny that God has for me. I want everything that God wants to do in my life and through my life to come to pass. And I know that continually I'm going to come to places in my life where, where God says, I want to take you somewhere further. And, and if I'm going to make the journey, I've got to shed some things. I've got to I've got to become more consecrated. I've got to become more separated from what the world is and from what my past is and, and where my identity used to come from because I'm going somewhere deeper in Jesus. I, I got good news for you. God's not done with your life. That's good news. I'm thankful for that. I, 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 if you look at the way God works throughout the scripture he never gets to a place in somebody's life where he says, you're good, stay where you're at. That's not because he's, he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us and he puts so much inside of us that he's taking us on a journey from faith to faith, from strength to strength goes everyone in Zion. So, so we're going to talk now and, and uh, maybe get a little bit more practical this today than we did last week, maybe a little bit more. Um, and so we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 14 through through chapter 7, verse 1. So we're going to read some longer passages tonight, but I think it's going to be important to what God's trying to say. So, so Paul writes, and he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and will walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all things 
filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's a lot there, but this, this, this is the invitation that God has. So, so Paul is writing and saying, listen, you can't, you can't just walk in the same ruts that everybody else is walking their lives in. You can't just, you can't just link up with whoever happens to be around you and say, hey, let's just do life together and, and let's see where we end up and expect that you're going to end up where God's trying to take you. But you can't, you can't be linked up with unbelievers and expect to find your destination in heaven any more than you can expect that, 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 that Jesus Christ is going to grab Satan by the hand and skip down the road together. I mean that's that's a, a, a ludicrous to think of. I, that's I, I don't, that's a great word picture. Sometimes on the fly I can come up with some great things, you know. But, you know to think, uh, yeah, Satan's just going to grab uh, Jesus by the hand and they're going to skip down uh, the sunset. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, and Paul is saying uh, to the believer, you can't just uh, link up with people and get uh, down into uh, whatever they're into and just uh, expect that God is going to be with you in that. Uh, but you've got to come out from among them and be separate. This is uh, now he's quoting. Old Testament scripture uh, when he says you've got to come out uh, from among them uh, and be separate uh, uh, and, uh, and touch not the unclean thing and then I will receive you. Why? Because there's a promise uh, that he'll be our father uh, and we'll be sons and daughters of God. Uh, this is the promises that God has. Uh, so uh, the call of God on my life uh, is a greater weight in my heart than whatever I've got to let go of or whoever I've got to let go of. I have a promise that I can, I can be a child of God and he can be my father and he can walk with me and dwell with me. And so because of that promise I'm going to cleanse myself from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We're called to separate from the influences of sin. The scripture says in one place uh, uh, in the principle that we're in the world but we're not of the world. Jesus came into the world, but he wasn't of the world. Uh, and he's invited us to be his children. Uh, and so uh, we've, got to, we've got to separate from the world. Uh, and, and, and I understand that that's a, a tension that we're always in because we do live in the world. Uh, and we're called even to minister and reach others to bring them to Jesus. Uh, but we've got to understand uh, that we can't get linked with people in a way that their agenda and their desires and their interests become the, the, the steering force of your relationship with them. So relationships have to be in the correct balance. We got we to gotta be diligent about having the correct balance in our relationships with anybody, but especially when we're talking about unbelievers because we're not meant to be uh, linked with somebody that's going the opposite direction. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says this uh, in verse 33, uh, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness. Do not sin. Uh, for some some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He's speaking to believers and reminding them that, hey, if you hang out with the wrong crowd, you're going to go the wrong direction. And so, um, just some practical tips. So, so this really, what we're talking about here is the consecration part. This is our part to do. is to separate. And, and, and we got to understand that, that, um, that we've got to put the healthy boundaries in our lives with unbelievers. Uh, we're, we're, we're not meant to, to, 
to create a commune and, and hide from the world and put our head in the sand. We're intended to be the light in the darkness. We're intended to be salt and light in this world. So we're not meant to just separate in that. We have no association with them. We don't interact with the, the world. But we can't get linked with the same, the same values that they have. And so just a, a, a simple principle... Um, I, I taught a whole lesson on this one time when I was a youth pastor. And so I'm going to say this in a very quick moment. You know, I could spend all day on this. But, but every relationship has somebody that's the influencer and someone that's the influenced. And so what I have to be will, able to do is to be honest and measure every relationship I have and say, who's influencing who? So if I am a believer and there's somebody else that's a believer, then, then there, there's almost neutral, but there's, there's really not. But, but it can be very close to where you're your friend and you, it's kind of an ebb and flow. And one, at one time, you're the one saying, it's okay, buddy, you can make it. And then the, the next week, they're the one saying, I got your back, bro. You, you can do that, right? Well, those relationships with fellow believers can be that where there's that ebb and flow, and, and uh, or they could be the one leading you. Maybe and, and find people that are ahead of you in Jesus. I'm not talking about measuring them and saying they're better than you, but but maybe they're further down the road in their walk with Jesus, and link with them and let them influence you because you know that they're down the road that you're trying to walk down, and so I'm gonna intentionally invest in this relationship so that that the influence they have, uh, I know is pulling me in the right direction. Uh, but then when it's an unbeliever, I have to be honest uh, to say, when, I, when I'm uh, in this relationship, who's affecting who? And because of that, I can draw the boundaries correctly. Because if I'm reaching to somebody... And, and, and we have conversations and, and, and I have opportunity to speak to them about what the values of Christ are. And, and then, then I, I can tell that there's opportunity for that relationship to be healthy even though they're an unbeliever. But if when I get home from being with that individual, I'm angry, I'm discontented, I don't feel like praying, I... I I think about all the, the negative, then I realize that the influence is going the incorrect way and I need to draw new boundaries. And so I've got to limit my time with them. And then if I'm limiting my time with them and it's still uh, predominantly influencing me that way, then I got to draw tighter boundaries and some of that time. So sometimes it's just limiting my time with somebody. Sometimes it... In, it takes me intentionally drawing boundaries verbally with them to say, listen, when I'm with you, it seems to go down these roads that I don't want anything to do with. And so you need to not take me down that road with you. So if I'm with you and you continue to pull me that direction, then we aren't going to be able to be in relationship. I love you but I'm going a different direction. If you can respect that and we can have time together where we enjoy whatever it is we do or we're family and so we get together, I'm going to draw those boundaries. I'm going to have room for you. I'm not saying because you're an unbeliever I don't want anything to do with you, but I'm going this direction. If you can honor that and we can share time together, then we're going to continue together. I don't even have to tell somebody that if, if they already seem to have understood that but if somebody's 
pushing me the wrong direction, I may have to literally have the conversation. Listen, I'm, I'm drawing some new boundaries because I, I, I understand that you have choices that are yours to make, but I'm choosing to walk towards Jesus because he's done some amazing things in my life. And so if you're pulling me the wrong direction and trying to influence me that way or shaming me for my faith, then we're going to have to draw some new boundaries. Because I am consecrating myself and saying, God, I want to go where you are taking me. So anytime there's unity with sin, the boundaries are not in the right place. Uh, uh, Galatians chapter number 5, verses 16 through 26, is a very long passage that we're going to read very quickly. But the reason why we're reading this is because it has that that short list that seems long on the lusts of the flesh or the works of the flesh. And then it talks about the fruit of the spirit. We're going to talk about it a little bit more after we actually read it. But let me explain that, that when we are being sanctified, we're, as we're separating to God and being consecrated, and he starts purifying our lives, that we've got to, we're turning what's really happening on our part uh, is we're turning over our life to the spirit of God. We're surrendering ourselves to the spirit of God completely. Completely and holy is how we can only do it. But as we go through life, we've talked about it so many times before, I don't know what everything is until it becomes the thing. As I, I give Jesus everything, but I don't know what that is really when I say that. And so as I'm living my life, then God will bring to my attention, hey, I'm asking you for this. And I have the choice again to say, God, I gave you everything and so here you go. Uh, or I can start pushing against that uh, and, and, and walk away from faith or, 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 or push back from what God's doing in my life. But it's a continual surrendering to the Spirit of God. Uh, so as I separate from sin. I'm, I'm running to Jesus Christ. And, and, and as I do, so, so it's really, you can't do one without the other. But sometimes we try to. We try to just start getting the list of what we're going to avoid. That's sin. And, and just concentrating on that. But here we find, this is what he says in verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. This I say, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So that's He's, he's giving a concise understanding to us that if you're trying to be sanctified and separate to God and be purified into the holiness that he intends, that you have got to walk in the spirit. You've got to transition from just uh, uh, the, your own desires and your own will, even if your desires and will are good, into uh, saying, God, let your spirit be what pulls me in the direction I need to go uh, so that I can have the power uh, to do what you want me to do because what we'll find is otherwise we revert uh, into uh, Galatians chapter number or excuse me Romans chapter number 7 uh, the tongue twister that we talked about not but a, a few months ago uh, that we do the things we don't want to do uh, and the things that we want to do we don't do uh, the, the solution is, is surrendering the spirit because he's describing in that, that tug of war uh, that he wants to do the right thing. But because it's all about what he can buckle down and do, uh, he fails because none of us have flesh that's strong enough or pure enough. Yeah. And so I can't just obsess about avoiding things. I have to run to Jesus. But if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh, I'm going to quote it in King James because that's why I learned it as a kid and I just can't get away from it on this passage. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, 
strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Of the which I tell you before and tell you also again that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So Paul is linking this together and helping us to understand that when I surrender to the Spirit and I say, flesh, you're dead. Flesh, I, I, I hear your voice right now, but I've already chose that you're dead. I'm dead to you, and I'm alive to Christ. And so, Jesus, what you want is what matters. And I'm being led of his spirit. It's going to draw me to what? Attitudes. Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Those are spiritual DNA of Jesus Christ himself. The spiritual DNA of God is what is implanted in you and I. And so, but, but, but each and every one of us, if I were to name any of those, would come up with a picture in your mind of, of something that is done that is your picture of what love is, of what joy is. Of what peace is. Why is that? Because it is a spiritual DNA. But it can't help but be expressed. It can't help but come out in your behavior. It can't help but come out in your demeanor. And so that's, that's at its very core. What we're saying is that if we sanctify ourselves. And pursue Jesus. That his spirit is put in us. And we walk by that spirit. It transforms us and sanctifies us in our spirit and then in our mind and then into our body. That is the design of Jesus. This is very important and so I wrote it down the way I do with phrases that I really want to make sure I say, listen, we're getting into holiness and, and we, we've already done that, but we're going to articulate a little bit more about the process of being sanctified or being made holy but holiness is not just the absence of sin. Holiness is the presence of Jesus. We must chase after Jesus with greater passion than we run from sin. If we can get that right, if we can get that right, we will stumble, but we will get up every time. But if I am running from failures and trying to avoid doing the wrong thing, I will find myself back in my flesh, the very flesh that trips me up. And I'll be tripped up again because my obsession will be on that outward manifestation and, and somehow trying to just uh, self uh, uh discipline myself into a place of righteousness but the holiness that God is wanting can only come from him I, I, I can I can I can lock myself in a room and never be with anybody again and because of it never do anything that you could put on a list of sins but not be holy because holiness is not just the absence of sin it's the presence of Jesus Christ just like dark Darkness is not, is, uh, that, that, that darkness and light, that same relationship, right? Uh, that that you, don't, you don't get light by taking away darkness. You get light by putting light in the room because light is active. And Jesus Christ is the only one that can impart holiness into our lives. So we've got to separate ourselves, but now we've got to let God then begin to purify 
Matthias. So they, they, they interlink. And so, uh, you know, I've been talking about them both at the same time. But everything to this point tonight, I would put as predominantly talking about that sanctifying, that separating, that saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate from people. I'm going to separate from places uh, that, uh, that influence me towards sin. I'm going to separate from music uh, that steers me towards passions of sin. Uh, I'm going to separate uh, from, uh, from the, the identity the world would give me or, uh, and, and I'm going to run to Jesus. Uh, but as I'm doing that, that's what I'm doing. I'm running to Jesus uh, and then he's going to sanctify me. And how does he do that? Well, we know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin, right? But now, what beyond that? Uh, John chapter number 17, verses 15 through 20, is the prayer of Jesus. And Jesus says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also, they also may be sanctified by truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's praying for his disciples and he's praying that 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 uh that as a mediator between God and man uh, that he was as coming in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, I'm praying that they would be sanctified. Uh, I'm not asking uh, that they would be taken out of the world, uh, but I send them into the world. Uh, but I, say, I pray that the, the evil one would not be in them and would not have a hold of them. Uh, and that they would be sanctified. How? By his word. Thy word is true. The scripture in the Old Testament speaks of this as well. It's the word of God that purifies our hearts. So as we allow the Spirit of God into our lives, uh, He gives us the strength through His Spirit uh, to empower us uh, to become the sons of God. It's the way the Scripture says it in John chapter number 1. That when we believe in Him, uh, He gives to us the power uh, to become the sons of God. Uh, and when we're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit is called uh, and referred to in one place as the Spirit of adoption, uh, whereby we we cry, Abba, Father. So the DNA of God's presence <coughs> and His character his holiness is implanted in you and I by his spirit but he is brought into full fruit in our lives when we let the spirit of God work in combination with his word in our lives when we let the word of God continue to speak over our lives and so as we are being sanctified our part is to get in the word of God Get in the Word of God and read it. Read it to understand it. Read it, you know, whenever you can. Listen to it on the on the on the app on Bible IS. I think is the app I have that will read it to me. So sometimes when I'm driving down the road, I'll let the Bible be read to me, and I'll open it on my own and read it. Why? Because it purifies me. Because it's speaking of God's values. It's speaking his truth. And as that is continually being worked into my life, he starts just chinking things off of my life. The word of God, the scripture calls it in one place, it's like a hammer. And it just keeps pounding and it keeps pounding. And so when I'm embracing the word of God and letting the word of God speak, it just starts hitting at things that should be on my life until finally they break loose. Because there's that, that moment where, uh, where we have an understanding of what God's trying to do in our lives. And we say, yes, Lord, so be it. Let it be done in my life. And we let it be pushed out of our life and flushed out of our life.
life. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 through 27 uh, speaks it again uh, when Paul is writing and he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present to him present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish that's the goal and that's the destination that Jesus has for each of us is if we'll let the word of God work in our lives, we'll let it be spoken in our lives into an open heart, it's going to purify you and I because it's going to enlighten our eyes to his ways. It's going to make us understand what matters. Our values are going to be shifted into kingdom values. And as they are, we're going to feel that, re, that, 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 renewing of our life and that purifying of our soul. Uh, we've got to allow God's word voice in our lives uh, because he refines our life uh, and our heart and he transforms our heart into his character. That's a process. I've, I've said it so many times that it's over and over and over again. I, I've I heard so many people say it because, and it's beautiful because we've all experienced it. That you can read the Word of God one day, and 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 it says one thing, and, and then the next time you read it, you get something completely different out of the same passage. Why? Because it's alive, and God is dynamically speaking into my life and into your life to refine us and to give us new understanding. Why? Because there's no getting to the depths of all of His greatness and his holiness but there is a, a diving into that place where he carries you by his spirit and by his word into all that he wants in your life and in my life so let the word of God be spoken in your life read it embrace it memorize it if you're if you're uh if uh if there's a part if if the if the heart has been transitioned to a place where you are, are, are understanding and not wanting uh, certain things in your life anymore that you know are against God's design uh, and you're still struggling with it, uh, let that heart go to the Word of God uh, and read and find scriptures about that uh, and memorize them so that uh, you can reinforce uh, what your spirit is already awakened to uh, so that your heart and, and then your mind can be transformed and that's where we're going next is that as he as he purifies the motives of the heart through the word of God then he can begin we can allow it to affect the way that we think I don't have to think the way that the thoughts come to me <clears throat> that was really bad English but um <clears throat> I don't have to take every thought that comes uh, and say, I'm going to just take that train. <laughs> but I, I get to decide where I'm going to go is what de decides what train I'm going to get on, what thoughts I'm going to embrace, and I'm going to let uh, have uh, authority in my mind. Uh, 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 this is what First uh, uh, Peter chapter number 1, verse 13 through 19 says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not conforming yourselves to former lusts uh, as in your ignorance uh, but as he who has called you is holy uh, you also be holy in your conduct uh, because it is written be holy uh, for I am holy uh, and if you call on a, the father uh, who without partiality judges according to each one's work conduct yourself uh, throughout the time of of your stay here in fear knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold uh, for 
from your aimless conduct uh, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, uh, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So he's saying, uh, gird up the loins of your mind. He's saying, what, the production of your mind. What produces the thoughts in your mind? Gird it up. In other words, take control. Wrap it up and say, the source of my thoughts, uh, that the, I'm going to take dominion over that. Uh, that when the thoughts come into my mind, uh, I'm going to allow uh, the thoughts uh, that are in alignment with God, uh, in alignment with His Word uh, that I've been letting be poured over my life. Uh, those are the ones that I'm going to allow to have reign in my thought process. Uh, and I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be intent uh, on what? Uh, on being brought uh, resting in the hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the passion that I have and the heart that I have for the promises of God and His grace are going to be what dictate what I allow to be in my mind. I've said it, uh, you know, the scripture, we're not going to read it, but I may... we're, we're not wrestling against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, that's the wrong passage. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the power that we have, the weapon we have to say, if I'm going to be made holy, I'm going to cast down imaginations and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ Jesus. So as my heart is beating after Christ and I'm embracing His Word, it gives me an understanding of what is the will of God and what is truth. And so then when the Word, uh, the thought comes to my heart, I'm going to choose. I I am being purified because I am submitting my thoughts to the authority of the Word of God. And so when thoughts come to me, I'm going to let it go through the filter of the Word of God. And if it comes out the other side, and then I'm going to keep thinking it. But if the filter of the Word of God confronts it and says, that doesn't line up, doesn't line up with what God says about me, it doesn't line up about what God says about this situation, uh, then it can't stay. It has no authority in my mind. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's the will of God that we take that uh, and we push back. Uh, we've got to embrace that. And so how do we do that? We, we filter it and we literally decide which thoughts we're going to let stay in our brain. I've referenced it before, and I don't have the time to get into all of it, but it's absolutely amazing. The Bible talks about this, and now science is catching up with it. And they are realizing that literally the thoughts in your mind are physical. They become physical, and they stay with you. But you have seven seconds before it becomes a physical part of your brain. And in that seven seconds, if you choose that you are not going to embrace that, it won't become a part of your brain. And so if you become the gatekeeper of your mind and say, does this agree with Jesus? Does this agree with where I'm going? And you say it doesn't, then you reject that. And then you replace it with the truth. And when you do that, what you will do is you'll make a new highway in your mind. Because if you've, if you've had thoughts that you've just habitually kind of gone down the same trail in your mind, that's, that's what happens is you make a, a, a pathway. Next thing you know, you have, a, you have a super train on your hands and, and it's moving even faster. And, you, and if you have a habit of thinking that way, it becomes more and more and more ingrained in you. And so I understand that's why... 
we we could go back to it, but we'll just reference it. Uh, the the strongholds uh, that that we're getting ready to conquer one by one uh, as God makes us all that we're supposed to be uh, is those strongholds uh, can be in many ways thinking and ways of thinking that have been come a highway in your mind because of the past that you've been through, uh, because of the way you were raised, because of what you went through, all of that. And it's a very real fight that you're going to have on your hands. But I'm thankful that we do have the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us to understand I'm not going to just take that train anymore, but I'm going to get on the new train. And so I'm going to learn that as soon as I recognize it's not of Jesus, I'm going to cast it down and I'm going to replace it with a new thought that's in alignment with God's Spirit. And if you don't make, if, if, if you're 10 seconds in and you're on that train, you can still jump off that train and say, I, I'm getting on the right train. God, I know what you said. And, and what you'll find is that over time, you're going to conquer that stronghold by the power of the Spirit of God feeding your desires and your heart and the Word of God giving you truth and so that the truth of the Word of God and the Spirit of God begin to refine you and you become a different person because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm so thankful for that. So allow your thinking to be managed by the truth of God's Word and the leading of the Holy Ghost and you will be transformed. The last thing, we're not spending, uh, uh, this, like I said, we never can do exhaustive studies because we would do the same study for the rest of our lives. But is we do have to let God make our body holy. Yeah. We've got a part to play in that. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We've got to let our body be given over to Jesus. And so there's things that I don't do because I know that, that it's not holy. But I also recognize that as I see these things or become aware of them, because the truth is, it kind of can work both ways in a way as far as how I become aware of what needs to change. Lots of times I recognize the behavior of my life that doesn't align with Jesus. And so I can begin to cut some things off immediately. But what I have to do is I have to then get to the root of it if I'm going to allow it to be sustained in my life. And so, so the, even the, the, the way that I dress, I want it to reflect what's going on in my spirit that's being sanctified. But I've got to understand that, that I, I, I want to be holy in my spirit and in my desires and my passions and let that transform the way I think and let it come out in the way that I live and the way that I dress and the way I speak and all of that. But so, so sometimes I, I do cut it off to the best of my ability when I know it's wrong. I, I cut it off at the action, but then I'm going to go to the root and I'm going to say, God, I need your help. And I got to get in prayer and I got to say, Jesus, you got to show me where this is coming from, especially if it keeps cropping up. God, show me the root so that I can start digging at that root but with your help. And, and, and that root might be different people that I'm around or different situations that feed it. But ultimately, there's probably something even deeper that's a wound of my heart or there's maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's insecurity. Uh, it could go down the line. But I, I say, Jesus, now, Lord, as I'm, as I'm forsaking my ways to the best of my ability, 
humility, I'm going to pursue you and say, Jesus, why is this wrong? Because this is your value. So, Lord, I'm going to pour into that value. And I'm going to say, God, that any part of my spirit that doesn't align with that, I want you to take it out of me. And make, it, make me aware of what it is so that I can be proactive about it. And so I can be a part of what you're doing in my life. And the Spirit of God is what gives me the power. And the Spirit of God is what can heal the wound so that it can become something that is completely, can become victorious over it completely. But it's got to be that I let it flow to my body eventually. I don't want to be like the world. I don't want to walk like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, think like the world. But I want that what I am on the outside would reflect the Spirit of God that's on the inside of my life. So as we're closing, I'm going to read um, a very impactful passage that I, I use a lot because there's, it just helps bring it into conciseness uh, what God wants to do in our lives. And that's Psalms chapter number one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." Right here is a concise <coughs> paraphrase of everything I said tonight. If I will separate from those that are ungodly and separate from what the world is doing, and then I will put my passion on God, my delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then he meditates on his law. That's his word. I meditate on it day and night. Then what happens? The fruit comes out. Yeah. And you're like a tree that's planted by water and it brings forth fruit in its season. Everything that you're doing will prosper. Why? Because you forsake and you say, I'm going to be consecrated and separated to God and I'm going to get my heart fixed on Jesus. And as I get my heart fixed on Him, I'm going to let His Word and His law be put into my heart. And I'm going to let it be like a, uh, like a waterfall that just, uh, that re, you know, like the ones that you have in your backyard with the pump. And that water just comes in and out, in and out and out. And God, I'm going to let that Word just flow over me over and over again and refine me. And as you're refining me, all of the fruit of my life, all the result of my life is going to begin to reflect what God intended for it to be and I am going to prosper. Jesus, Lord, uh, we want to be separated to you, God. Lord, I don't want to walk in sin, but Jesus, uh, Lord, it's not even just about wa not walking in sin. I, I want to walk in your ways, Lord Jesus. Uh, and I'm asking today, God, uh, that you would just allow your church uh, to be sanctified and holy, Lord. Uh, let it be that this would be hallowed ground. Uh, and Lord, when I mean that, I don't just mean this building, uh, but let it be that your people would be hallowed ground, that we would be holy. You said, be holy for I am holy. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't touch that which is unclean. Lord Jesus, we want you to be our Father. And we want you to walk in the midst of your people, God. And so we're separating to you, God. And Lord, let our heart be fixed after you. That you could cleanse us and you could make us like you, God. Lord Jesus, Lord, I'm not wanting to be Christian. 
critical, oh God. But the truth is, when I look at the world, I don't want anything to do with where they're ending up. There's so much frustration. There's so much anger. There's so much despair. There's so much confusion out there. I don't want to end up there, God. And so, Lord God, I'm going to put my heart on you. And I'm going to pursue you, Jesus. Because you have the way of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Lord, we as your people are saying, God, we want to humble ourselves. Seek your face. Turn from wickedness. So that when we call on you, you'll hear from heaven. And you'll forgive our sins. And you'll heal our land. We love you, Jesus. And we're thankful, God, that you have plans for us that are far better than our own, God. And that you, oh Lord Jesus, are still wanting to work in this hour. And we want to be a part of that. And we want you to work in our lives. We love you and bless you. Jesus, you're thank we're thankful for you. Amen.